Welcome to Moringa for Life, a show about the Moringa tree, the most nutritious plant ever tested. Join your host, Marika Gifford, as she reflects on working with Moringa for over 22 years and explores how we can unlock our holistic well-being through plant intelligence. From the Moringa for Life family, we wish you peace and joy. And now here's your host. Welcome to the Moringa for Life podcast. I'm really excited today to be speaking to you about a Moringa project, very unique project. I'm really grateful for all of you who have joined us today. Uh, we have quite a few interesting stories that we're telling. These are predominantly the stories and projects of my students who have come through my certification course years ago or recently. So I'm really, really privileged to have this group of people who have responded to Moringa's call out there to work on her behalf. And so I'm really, really happy to welcome Aubrey Bonneau to our show today. He came through the course a few years ago, and I'm going to let him tell how his whole journey unfolded. But he originally uh, started out with the idea to do a Moringa project in Costa Rica. And as it happens in a lot of these instances, Someone starts the course at, with one idea and then even through the course may change the idea or the location. And then as they go and look out into the world of where they would really want to do that, a lot of things change. And you, if you've listened to other podcasts, you've heard that same type of, of pattern that happens. Moringa calls to you and then you really spend some time looking to see what is your true journey in this process? So Aubrey, welcome. I'm, it's been a while since we spoke, so we have some catching up to do, but I, I thought it would be good to do it in the context of the podcast because it's all about what your, your work and your challenge and your victories have been in these past few years since you did the course. So welcome, and uh, maybe you speak a few minutes about how you began in the journey, and then I want you to really get into what your project is right now. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me um, on this podcast and for giving me the opportunity to talk about these things because it's truly what I'm passionate about. Um, you know, moringa and permaculture and, you know, sustainable, regenerative alternatives to sort of what we have going on. Um, and when I heard about the course initially, and you know, I learned about Moringa in Costa Rica, um, where I was first introduced to it. And once I came back home to California and saw that you were offering this class, I was so stoked. And um, the information that I've gained, and even the connections through the class that we've gained, sort of now where I am, have been so useful. So big thanks to you. Um, just to jump into sort of where my project started. I don't know, I studied sociology and international affairs in college and uh, university in Boston. And getting out of college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I know I wanted to see a little bit more of the world. I kind of grew up traveling a little bit. Um, so I decided to sort of hit the road again. And I, I guess eventually it just sort of turned into traveling isn't cheap, right? You need to sort of make a living and give back to a sort of your situation and still be able to cover all your bases. 
Um, so traveling led me to sort of where and how do I grow food um, because I tend to eat that a lot and that sort of morphed into how do I you know grow food efficiently that's healthy and um, you know thinking about our keeping our futures in mind and uh, I we traveled throughout South and Central America kind of woofing kind of working on different organic farms I got introduced to Moringa in Costa Rica, came back um, to the States for a little while and took the course with you. And then after for the next couple of years, sort of figured out how and where I could start my own Moringa project. Um, through my university, there was like a venture accelerator program that was offering some startup assistance to ventures wanting to do anything. So I applied to that and at the time, sort of that opportunity helped me sort of hone in on what we wanted to do or rather where we wanted to do it and we started to really look into the island of dominica where my dad is from it's a tiny little island in the caribbean between martinique and guadeloupe uh super duper duper beautiful um super lush rainforest uh Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3 were shot here, so you can kind of get how rugged and sort of untouched the island is. Um, steeped in agriculture forever. Um, so sort of having all these new experiences and then my dad sort of being connected to this place and us having come down here um, our whole lives, we sort of started playing around with how and maybe to put it together in Dominica. And then about two years ago, we founded Free Up Farm. Free Up Farm is a seven acre permaculture, natural farming demonstration site. Um, so we're trying to demonstrate how you can use all of these natural techniques because we are also fighting rampant chemical use on this island, the nature island of the Caribbean. So we want to make sure that there's a nice balance at least, at least that the um, organic folks and uh, you know natural homeopathic folks are equally being, equally being represented as um, the same with the other types of agriculture that go here. So, so far we've planted over 30 different varieties of tropical fruit, mangosteens, lychees, um, sapotes, I mean mangoes, coconuts, cinnamon trees, nutmeg trees, tonka bean trees, all sorts of trees. Um, and we are experimenting a lot with Moringa. I think that uh, Moringa is going to be a keystone sort of species in our short term, hopefully is a help with uh, organic fertilizer and compost teas and things in that nature. Because even today I had a very passionate discussion with my agricultural, one of the agricultural extension officers is what they're called. And my sort of viewpoint was that we don't need these chemicals on the nature island. We need to put more money into organic farmers. And his point was that you can't have the yields and you can't have the production that you need to be able to participate in markets um, if you use organic methods. So that's sort of the, the, the what we're fighting against institutionally, right? And I just want to be a, a beacon of light you know, for any young person or any farmer that wants to see how these systems work on a small scale um, and then hopefully see how they could transform and take these systems and make them bigger or make them more functional to their needs as whatever type of farmer they are. 
So that's kind of where we are. Moringa, we've planted over 200 trees and I, you can go on our website for your farm and you can see sort of the layout of the land. It's full sort of permacultural design. We incorporated a lot of swales and hugel cultures throughout the whole property, um, which was just something we kind of had to do because when we first came into the property, it was just vines and mess, completely covered 40 year old citrus trees all the way up and covered with vines, uh, avocado trees the same way. So we were, um, we made a connection with a, a company that was um, working on a hotel here in Dominica and we told them how we were trying to promote organic agriculture, provide a sort of education piece and they donated um, some, well, they helped support us, they donated some resources to us so that we could sort of put the farm together in a way that um, would showcase these regenerative sort of designs. And it's really cool because in the two years sort of that the farm got transformed, you can see how these hugel cultures and these swales on contours and these, you know, fruit trees planted are really starting to set in. Uh, we went through what they're calling here a drought. These, it was like a drought that lasted maybe three months. Um, and, and for Dominica, that's a really, really long time for a drought to last. And in our hugel culture systems, we didn't need any irrigation whatsoever throughout the entirety of that drought. Um, whereas a lot of the other farmers were carting up water barrels in their trucks uh, to be able to irrigate their crops. So we're really excited about the things we've been able to showcase and sort of how great they work so far. Um, and we're, you know, kind of stoked to keep experimenting, right? Because that's what's the best about it is we don't, we're not trying to come in here and tell anybody the way it works or how we think it's going to work. We're here to show people techniques that we've sort of uh, gathered and thought to be useful um, and just show how they can be applied in various situations. So I think that's kind of where we're at in the I don't know, nice little synopsis. <laughs> that's great. It's great. And I recall one of the times before talking to you, there was, I don't know, stage five hurricane. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and that was really, I think for you, a pivotal uh, moment yeah. to look at what was possible and then you know, if you can go back you know take us through that little mm -hmm. bit of time for you yeah. um because that was quite an, an intense and it was also the culminating of of the plan but also really forced you to to commit on a really high level absolutely absolutely that's a, a really great point there yeah when we when i was telling you about the sort of venture accelerator that i was going through with my university that was we started that maybe three-year relationship or four-year relationship with that venture accelerator program and in between that is when maria happened so here we were talking to all these universities who had brought students down to dominica talked to every single eco lodge owner in dominica to sort of understand uh, the scene in Dominica. We talked to government officials, we talked to all these people, and we were sort of building this knowledge base to figure out how and if or why our project would be successful. Um, and then Maria hit, and honestly, yeah, it was, we were actually supposed to be in Dominica for a Category 5 hurricane that caused more natural destruction than any other event that I've ever seen in my life. Um, I've been coming to this island forever, and it's just rainforest as long as you can see. And now it's starting to come back, but man, those, those 
we came back maybe a month or two after Maria and I've never seen anything like it. It looked like a, a, a whole mountain that used to be covered in rainforest, just a bunch of toothpicks. And some of those toothpicks even were just looked like a big steamroller had come through and just pushed them over. And that's like old growth forest that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. So it was a serious wake up call, but you, you know, coming out of university and seeing the world that we live in, nobody's telling us that these things are gonna slow down. Right. So my thought was, hey, if it happened here and the, this island is obviously surviving, this might be a good place to incorporate these techniques that are sort of rooted in the earth and see maybe if the next time um, the survive, the, the, you know, the getting back to normal, quote unquote, is quicker or healthier or, you know, more stable in the long run. So I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that we're here. I think about those, cat those storms all the time. We actually had our first tropical storm last week. And just with the amount of wind on that storm, I couldn't imagine what a category five hurricane could be like, I guess onward, right? <laughs> yes, and then you, you came back. I remember that you came back and you went and uh, did a workshop on a type of building structure that could be used to potentially survive that yeah. kind of storm mm -hmm. event. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because course, yeah. like you've already been past all of these different things mm -hmm. and, so, and you are where you are right now, but the journey is so fascinating. And, and that's what I, I really applaud your resilience in all of these kinds of things because you know most people they go about starting their Moringa project aren't having to deal with things like you have and then to continue through where many people could have easily given up because this was like quite an unheard of rare situation and yet it seemed to just bring you more focus and energy and determination to do this project. So walk us through what that was like for you. Cause I know you've, you've come through a lot and for you, you don't view how that, how intense that journey was, but I'm on the outside looking in and we've checked in several times over these years and it's quite an accomplishment. And I just want you to, to really let yourself see that and like, Describe what that was like, and maybe in that you'll see a little bit more of what I see when I have been interacting with you over the years. Well, thank you. And yeah, um, to that point, you know that when those moments like that, that that aftershock of an event like that, and then having the opportunity to come in back here and talk to the people that lived through it. Like, luckily, uh, I didn't live through it, right? But I talked to my cousins. I've talked to a lot of friends here who who were through it and there's really not words but you can kind of see it in their eyes right like I said before you know the, it, it must go on right if we do we have to just pick ourselves up and figure out um, what it is that we're going to do and in this crazy world I guess more right we need to make sure that the things that we put our time into are the things that give us back the same amount that we put into um, which was why I was so, you know, stoked about having at Moringa, at least in my back pocket, because I knew that Moringa is the foundation of that. There's, since Hurricane Maria, there's been a lot of talk about this hurricane resiliency, right? Because Dominica wants to be the first hurricane resilient nation in the world. And I respect that and I vibe that, but I, I, 
in terms of like, uh, like, yeah, you can build a bunch of concrete houses and those concrete houses will survive a storm, right? But to take it a little deeper and to think about all the different facets of society that were affected by this storm and how we can at least help bolster them. Moringa is hurricane resilient, you know, like we've talked about. If a storm is on, you know, the horizon, we could have very easily gone through and cropped back all of our Moringa trees. And within a couple of weeks, you know, we would have had new growth. We would have at least had some medicine. We would have had, you know, in a couple months after that, uh, export, whatever it is, right? So at least knowing that I had Moringa in my back pocket was like, even if I build a house and it blows away, I know that like those roots are still there, you know, and I'm seeing all the trees grow back. So the building, which is super cool, right? And everybody should check out the work that these guys do. Uh, Dome Gaia, they build aircrete domes. So aircrete is a material uh, where you take concrete, where you take cement and you infuse it with almost like a shaving cream type lather. Um, which aerates it out and cuts your concrete costs way down and gives you a sort of structural material that you can sort of, you can work it kind of like wood, but it has a lot of the properties that concrete does, right? It has excellent insulation. It's really tough. You can put um, a mortar on sort of a, a shell, right, to make it even stronger. And then it's a dome, right? So the dome structure throughout history, you see that it's one of the strongest structures that exists. It has no roof to take off. Any impact that hits the building uh, gets distributed throughout the entirety of the building, right? Not just one part. So, you know, I was like, all right, Maria hit. I still have Moringa. I have Dominica. It's a, a pretty in terms of I'm Dominican because my father is and I have my citizenship here. So it's a pretty easy place. I have family there. I have a little bit of connections here. So it was sort of like, how do we do it? Knowing that we could sort of pull it together um, if things do go really bad, right? And Moringa and the Aircrete Dome workshop in Oregon that I was able to participate really gave me, I think the the two tools that I needed to just jump in, you know, after that, I knew that like, yeah, a hurricane might hit, but I have to make something of my life too, you know, so I'm going to go after it. And to be honest, the, the aircrete building, I went and took a workshop for 10 days and we built a dome and it was an amazing experience. And those people, those guys that build these domes, if you, you can look up, they host workshops all over the world. Um, if, you, if you ever have a chance, I would highly recommend it. But that's a very, it's a technical sort of building, right? And for me to think that I could have built one um, by myself, not really having much construction background um, in a place that I don't really understand the ropes, I still have all the machinery I need to be able to make that. But right now, our sort of vibe was, all right, how do we get our stuff and ourselves safe as quick as possible and plant as many trees as we can? Because uh, the trees are the long game. So that was sort of our situation. We ended up building like a little bunker for ourselves that I'm finally living in and we're very excited about. And uh, now it's on to these more like actually hurricane resilient structures, right? Aircrete domes. I would love to get somebody who knew about bamboo and do bamboo structures. Because I was able, I was talking to some of the Kalinago people here in Dominica and the Kalinago people are like the indigenous uh, group of people that Dominica is one of the only islands in the Caribbean that has actually set out, set aside space for these 
people to have their own or have their own culture and do their own thing. Um, and they've kept a lot of knowledge within this culture, within that sort of group. So even their building styles, um, to incorporate some of those building styles that aren't so long lasting, it's not throwing up concrete, it's almost building things that you know, parts of it are safe, but if the rest blows away, you know you can put it back up or go into the forest and get what you need and put a house back up. Um, so not this sort of idea of let's build permanence, right? But let's sort of build things that um, mold and sort of adapt with the environment. That's great, yeah. So it's really looking to what is the natural building that has predominated in that area, given the types of, of weather conditions they've had. And, and even now where we have so much more uh, anticipated weather conditions uh, you know, to, to have a way to plan for it and to plan for it based on the indigenous way that people have survived there. It is a different mentality, right? It is a, a much more fluid um, with nature and having to adjust. I mean, the human beings are the most adaptable of all species, but we tend to try to make things that, that create a, a type of permanence on, in, not, in a way that makes us not have to adapt so that we are, you know, creating very predictable outcomes, right? So yeah, that I could see um, being quite an issue there. And it's, it's really a remarkable thing that Dominica has so many progressive ways um, but we, and we can, you know, maybe talk further about one of the interesting things that came up when you mentioned it uh, briefly of Moringa being very resilient. And it's, it's part of the way that we teach the course. And everybody now I've been doing a webinar as well. And um, when you cut Moringa down to the ground, which is what we recommend, it comes back with even more branches, so more leaf production. And, and then you continue to do that, that root structure gets very, very developed. It's a tap root, so it's going really you know, deep down. And it has a stability like all taproot trees do. However, taproot trees have a top heavy you know, growth. So like you mentioned, you could anticipate because you pretty much know when your storm season begins and ends, plan for cutting the moringa down, harvesting it, doing all the procedures for doing, getting the leaf, drying the leaf if you need to or want to, you know, having cuttings available, all of those practices, and then let the storm come and it just washes over, it does whatever it does above ground. Moringa is safe, buried there underground, and it will respond just like it does if you were doing a regular harvest where more and more shoots come up. So it isn't even that it's resilient, it's abundant in that kind of an environment where it has to survive, and other trees that are that top-heavy and cannot bend, you know, bamboo, you know, it's very bendable, right? Certain types of trees and plants that we can use in those environments. But to have Moringa be really a re seen as a resilient and abundant in the face of this type of adversity, this type of weather condition, it's really something that needs to be um, highlighted and, you know, talked about and implemented as policy, agricultural policy and all its different areas in the tropical zone 
and we know that in the tropical zone, it's the area that where moringa goes, grows best. And it's also where there's the most need, there's the most malnutrition on the planet in those same zones. And those same zones are also where we're seeing the climate um, issues and catastrophes happening. So three things going on in these same locations um, where we could be doing all of this moringa work. And the other piece that is, uh, you know, big conversation is uh, carbon sequestration. And uh, I think that it came after you were in the course, Aubrey, but we also now deal with what, it, how many trees it would take, the uh, moringa trees that could absorb the carbon. And because they grow so fast, you can plant fewer trees and have that carbon uh, sequestration happening much faster than you could with the regular like Japanese cedar or other other trees that are used for that. So there's a whole range of things that we're seeing are coming into play that Moringa is just a huge part of that. And for the sake of just growing trees, planting and growing trees, and not necessarily doing it for leaf production and as food, but for the environment you know, for the climate that is, is just continuing to be a big, big challenge for all of us. So the, the, you know, this tropical zone, that's the lungs of the planet. And that's where we need to be doing all these types of practices. So I wanted to touch a, have you touch a little bit about um, how you go about hearing or getting the messages, the information about what you should be doing and what you have been doing with Moringa. I've asked a number of my guests, I'm always curious because for me, I, I connect to that tree in a specific way and it connects to me. Um, can you articulate at all what process you go through or what you have observed? Absolutely. Um, and just quickly to go on to your the point about the many uses of Moringa. The one that I'm really excited too that is just as a, a agroforestry in, uh, component, right? We're, we use it in the hookaculture mound a lot, but just that whole chop and drop. If I have, you know, 100 Moringa trees and I have uh, beds or hookacultures that I need to mulch and keep fertilized, just the idea of maybe one season or one harvest we go down or two harvests back to back, we go down and we mulch it, right? And we we see sort of maybe we're doing a lot of experiments right now, mound to mound. It's nice to have the different mounds to be able to run and see how they sort of um, react to different things that we do. But just that sort of utility of Moringa, because the whole conversation I had with ag uh, agriculture today was about how, yeah, the, the, he, the, the gentleman was trying to tell me how, yes, the pesticides and herbicides are bad, but that the, um, fertilizers are almost necessary. So my big hope for Moringa is if that we can use it in sort of these chop and drop, um, really easy sort of applications, because I remember in our course how we talked about the compost tea, you know, contributing significantly to the yields of fruit trees um, if you use Moringa. So I'm really, really excited to use it heavily in compost, to use it heavily in agroforestry systems and really see if we can, you know, challenge that whole notion of needing fertilizer and needing pesticides by just growing, you know, the healthiest trees we possibly can. And I think Moringa is going to be a, a very, again, a key player in that. 
Let me just add, uh, because it's really current for us right now, this last uh, webinar on Saturday, I demonstrated how to make a foliar spray with the leaf. And this is what you're talking about. That's going to be available to see on our website once it gets edited. We'll put that up. What I've been doing in those webinars is going through exactly what you're talking about. What are the different uses? And this is from um, Nikolai Foyle, who did a, um, a lot of uh, agricultural research in Nicaragua. And what he found were the yields, you know, the effects of using that uh, foliar spray. Now, it's used as a foliar spray because it has a high amount of nitrogen. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's, it's not nitrogen like we know of a lot of plants are nitrogen fixing where they have this nodule in the root zone that fixes nitrogen in the soil. And, and that then is distributed within the soil at the base you know, of, of, of plants' roots. This instead is accumulating nitrogen in the leaf. So when you use that, you can, like you say, chop and drop, that's uh, you know, cutting and then letting that leaf just fall to the ground and that nitrogen sinks down in and it's used that way. It's very simple uh, labor to do. You can also use that leaf by making a foliar spray and then targeting where you want that, spraying that on the different uh, leaf of many different trees, you can drench the the soil around it, you can drench the, the, the um, trunk of trees. All of this is adding nutrients to, to everything around it. So Moringa is a taproot tree that, you know, taproot trees go deep into the uh, ground and pull nutrients up. So it feeds shallower roots. And so in a permaculture situation like you are implementing there has a very key role in that. At the same time, you can plant around the base of it. So you can plant nitrogen fixing things. And you'll see you know, in that video that we did, I was spraying that foliar spray on some bean plants that were planted at the base of Moringa trees. So it grows up the tree. We keep one or two of the center stalks as the trellis. And the root of that is fixing nitrogen. And now we have a foliar spray and it all gets fed this just amazing food. And you can turn around and eat, drink that foliar spray. And so it would be really good. And what I can do uh, is send you, well, you'll see if, if you got the PowerPoint from the course, those slides are there. And that would be a really good thing to show agricultural people because you will see the yields that you get from using Moringa in this way, and it's a completely non-toxic. There's no need to protect the person putting it out. You know, the people who are handling that, there's no toxicity. In fact, every bit of it is usable. It's vibrant for the people who are, her, you know, the farmer, the farm workers, for the plants themselves, for the soil. It's, it's really amazing. And it improves soil biology, and soil biology is what's taking up those types of toxicities, you know, fungi can absorb uh, and, and have it be actually the fungi food, these different toxicities. So it can be used in remediation. It can be used in regeneration and restorative agriculture. And it's just, you know, so these things that we teach, the compost, hot compost and compost tea, the vermiculture, all of these practices are able to be implemented 
in these permaculture situations so that it creates that whole vibrant, healthy ecosystem. But that's some of the, the education that we're looking to is like get this information to those decision makers and just like a you know five slides and it tells the story right there higher yields than you can actually get from what's being um, promised by these fertilizers and also all of monsanto what do you think you can yield and also in the dairy industry for milk production and for meat, higher meat production. So it's really a matter of getting this information in front of those decision makers. And, um, and, and you have already established the relationship and by demonstrating in your own land with your own work, they see, you know, you're there to stay and you are demonstrating that in the will that you have and that educational aspect of, of you know, I'll just show them, right? I'll show how it works. And that converts people by their own interest in seeing that is going to be better for them and for their families, for the whole community and the planet at large. But yes, I just wanted to put that in at the moment because you were you know, right on that subject and we've um, covered that in the last couple of webinars that we did. Yeah, thank you. That was, That's so great. Honestly, I can't tell you how many times I smiled and gave praise and all this because this is the information that I need you know and if we can sort of like you say make it available or at least you know if money is going towards these uh, agricultural initiatives let's I'm not asking for much if we could even just put aside a chunk of this cash and use it to show how there are alternatives right and that those alternatives are viable and in a lot of cases are actually just crushing all the competition so I'm really, thank you. And we'll talk more about that too, because um, I think Dominica sort of might be, by claiming that you're the nature island and you're going to be climate resilient and all this, you're almost putting yourself in a situation where this information that we have, you need to implement, right? Exactly, right. If you're gonna say it, you gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll definitely talk more about that. But I would like to talk more about, you know, how you were talking about with how we get sort of information from Moringa and, and sort of how I communicate with um, the land and all of this. And, you know, it kind of goes back to that book that you you shared with me that kind of changed my life, the behaving as if the God and all things matter, right? And actually, I had a woman up at the farm who used to do some sort of admin work for uh, Findhorn. Uh, the other day. So that was a, a really just the universe, huh? But I think once you sort of tap into sort of the permaculture, the natural farming, the whole biodynamic scene, and then you get it in, you, you get introduced to, you know, I got introduced to Moringa and sort of the same sort of look at all the information that exists in this topic of Moringa, you know, as natural farming exists, as permaculture exists. And when you opened up, you know, sort of all the depth of Moringa, it's, uh, it changes your whole mind, your whole, everything you thought you knew kind of gets switched up, right? When you sort of explore these alternative ways to live that are a lot more kind of wholesome. And once you immerse yourself into them, um, I mean, I wake up on my farm every day, you know, and I get to walk around my farm um, at sort of that beautiful, you know, sunrise, sun's creeping over the tallest peak in Dominica and I can see this you know all natural beautiful scene that we've sort of you know put together over the last couple of years 
and you just start looking around and observing and, and it just, I don't know how to explain it, but it just comes to you, you know, you see, oh, that needs there, that, this goes, you know, and it just like a, you know, we were talking about fluidity. It's kind of something similar to that. Um, the crazy bit is, is that um, <laughs> it's so much, it's a lot of work, you know, uh, it's a seven acre property. So it's huge. We've carved out, you know, three to four uh, acres of it that we can manage. But even with that, it's crazy. But the, the messages come. And to be honest with Moringa, I had my doubts in the beginning because we're up in like a cloud forest. Um, so nobody, I think we are the, we're growing, I don't think there's a Moringa tree higher than us, right? I think we're at, can't remember, I think I only know it in meters. I think we're at like 850 meters, I believe. So nobody's growing Moringa higher than us um, right now. So we are the highest that it's being grown, maybe in Dominica. And I have uh, one, one of the, I have a PKM1 seed that some, one, somebody in, you know, the, the Moringa course uh, gifted to me a bunch of PKM1 seeds with the bigger leaves for leaf production. And it's really a lot bigger than the one here, which is cool. But what my grandmother came about two years ago and planted one of these seeds. And in two years, I mean, the trunk, we harvested it at, uh, I think it was 21 feet. Um, and I wanted to let it go until it snapped, but it, it looked like it wasn't ever going to snap. Um, so all my doubts about it maybe not working. I have a Moringa tree on the, that, that same Moringa tree, the trunk of it is maybe eight, nine, maybe a foot uh, in diameter. It's a big tree in sort of two years. So, you know, to your point, it's just resilient, right? And we're playing around with it in compost. We're playing, I, I just am drinking a banana smoothie with Moringa in it. So it just kind of kind of morphs into you, you know, and you sort of, and it's all about in this sort of environment, like you're saying, where there's a lot of, like we're doing organic agriculture in the middle of the rainforest, right? So it's like all those little things that are market for market, like tomatoes and things like that, just don't really work that great for us. So if you have a powerhouse tree in your arsenal like this, that just gives and gives and gives and gives, um, we're doing everything we can to keep propagating it. Now we've had Moringa trees like that have grown on our property that we've took from cuttings and just simply stuck in the ground. And now they're starting to grow. Whereas before we would go and take cuttings of Moringa trees from other places and attempt to root the cuttings and they would never take. So now it's really, I think Moringa is really starting to lock in and uh, really it's, it's going to change the game. You know, once we're sort of able to get our like nursery uh, and production of Moringa more adequate, because right now we have maybe maybe 50 Moringa trees, right, um, of all different sizes. But I don't have a situation where I could go throughout the farm and plug, 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 you know, and that's sort of what we're looking for. We're looking to just have Moringa be everywhere because of what we were talking about. At any point in time, it can be harvested for, what, a thousand different uses? So I, so much love for Moringa and uh, so excited to keep. We're, we still have a lot of work to do with Moringa, to be honest. Um, but the amount of work that we we have done um, is definitely paving the way and really helping us sort of gain focus on how we need to, and even talking to you in this conversation right now is sort of teaching me how I need to, or showing me how I need to sort of um, shift some things around to make sure that, you know, if you invest in certain energies and activities on the front end, they definitely pay off 
um, in the long end, which is sort of something that I constantly have to remind myself as I'm planting mangosteens and lychee trees and things like that. Yeah, it's it's quite a remarkable thing. I mean, you have so many things available that can grow there that will grow and have together and have that biological communication with each other. And, you know, for you to, you know, I was picturing as you were talking about just waking up and walking over and seeing the land and, and just listening and having the sensitivity to listen and the stillness to hear and let that information in. And, you know, we're the humans doing the work of these plants. And the more we can see that and accept that, this is our task here. We are the caretakers and stewards of this land um, and, and really do the work. Uh, nature always gives us the information we need and we are the ones who have confused it and denied it or you know thought we knew better you know I I, I know that for myself my own education uh, got in the way a lot of the times I had to unlearn so much about how to do a business and how I didn't know anything about farming I had no background so it was all new I was just following orders and I became much more comfortable doing that when I read that book behaving as if the God in all life mattered and started to move in my life that way and around just a small little parcel it's a half an acre where I am right now but it's plenty to do right to to see how to make it as efficient as possible and it was really great when you talked about the hugel culture and Wales and those practices are just timeless you know having that in the ground especially when you have your dry season we experienced that in Mexico I went there with Jorge who's one of my trainers to a moringa farm during I guess it was February and I figured well it's tropical right we went to Oaxaca and we were actually going to Fatulco which is down on the coast I figured he would have a lot more leaf than mine. It would be full and vibrant, you know, tropical. No, that's the dry season there. And he didn't have any practices. He didn't really know. It wasn't anybody that, you know, had really any connection with me. It was just someone who I found out about who had Moringa and we were going and helping him do a few things, answer some questions that he had on his farm. And it was really interesting because if he had those practices that you just described during your drought time, right? During your dry time, you still have water because you've kept that water right where you need it. And so that's what the importance is in making sure that all of these projects are done with these permaculture principles. Some things can be implemented. Other things you need just creativity to just see how you're going to go about it. But something like hugel cultures and swales that are just on contour, these are simple things that are not always easy to implement. And so it does take that bigger commitment to that bigger picture because these things are things you implement and then you maintain those and that then becomes really the rock bed of, of whatever you do after all your trees and you know all the food that you're going to be planting is going to rely on that water source 
And even though we think of the tropics as just being always green and lush, there's a dry season. We have to plan for that. And now when the climate is changing and we know that we have to create resiliency in ourselves, in the way that we go about making decisions, it cannot be the same way we've been doing it so far because our condition has changed. And the faster we're able to be flexible and, and make those changes, and that means unlearning a lot of things. You know, the better off we're going to be, the, the, the less struggle there will be. Because I struggle. I don't know if you had that same experience because you were right out of college. I, I had already been in the working world and, um, you know, trained myself in, in some rigidity because I was also in, in Germany and dealing with European countries. And so there was a whole other aspect to, to my world. But what was that like for you coming out of college? Because I know I, I'm interested in how young people will be able to come out of college if that's where they were and implement some of these things, get out and get on a farm. What I think about that is like, and I've, I've, talked, I've, I've thought about this a lot, is that you mentioned unlearning, you know, that's definitely a big part of it. And that was sort of a, a huge sort of wake up call for me. You know, here I was, I, I experienced education. I, I was able to travel the world, you know, and what I came out of it is sort of like, you kind of don't ever really know everything and you should always be open to learning all the new things that you can, you know, sort of the, same amount of energy that you put into unlearning all the things that, you know, might not be useful to you in this reality. Um, you kind of also have to go and make sure you put that same time into learning all the new things, because even here in, you know, this project, we're a pretty like, uh, I don't know, relevant project. Like this is a, a thing that we should all sort of be pushing towards and learning about. And every day I'm trying to look up new, uh, organic agriculture tactics that were used wherever, you know, and however, because that I know that, and I had the same conversation with um, the gentleman at the forestry place, or not the agriculture place, I told him, you know, humans have been participating in agriculture for hundreds of thousands of years, you know, um, the amount of time that we've had chemicals is insignificant. And for you to try and tell me here that those are necessary uh, components to productive food systems, I just won't accept that. You know what I mean? And like, if you don't want to listen to me and if you want to, you know, go back and forth on it, whatever, but at the end of the day, you can come up to Free Up Farm and you can see the, the hugel cultures and the swales that we've implemented and you can see how they work. You know, uh, once we saw how they work, there were, there were cracks in the ground during the, the rainy season. This is in a cloud forest, right? There were cracks in the ground that you could like drop your cell phone into. That was literally the thing, right? But all of the trees all on top, all looked healthy, nothing droopy, none of the trees bothered by the no, absolutely no water and intense heat for months, right? So it's also, we're just trying to make sure that it's like, we don't have it figured out and nor do we have all the answers, right? But we are, actively experimenting right and we would love for you to engage in that experiment if that's your vibe and if you care about that um and know that like it, we're always going to be learning and probably some of the things that we are, are are showing here now might be tweaked and modified uh, a little later down the road when we sort of pick new pieces and pull in new information but i think even in especially in this time that we're in where everything's a little crazy 
you know, information is coming from everywhere, anywhere of all sorts and sizes, right? So a lot of my sort of thing now is like just trying to stay focused on the ones that are most relative and relevant to your life, right? The most that you can take from and use them um, to better your life as fast as you can, you know, to be able to sort of uh, put your time and energy into that and not into other things that, you know, may bring our spirit down. So that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, great point. Well, I am so happy to hear this work being done there and what you're up to is just that you continue to mature and expand and really settle into this life, the life that you're creating there. And uh, it is a a showcase. And um, I would invite any listeners to connect, go to Free Up Farm, and see what you're doing and see if there's ways that they can, you know, help or participate in some way, if not just energetically, like this, hold that project. I hold that project of yours in my heart. And I know whenever I, I'm looking at, you know, weather patterns or some, I'm checking in to see how Dominica is doing. And it's been that way, you know, the projects that we've had or, of students all over the world has made us really aware of, the situation that people are facing, wars and political issues and climate issues and the resiliency that Moringa, I would just call Moringa devotees, right? They're committed at such a high level and, and you know, really pledging their life to, to work on this and to make this work available, the information available. And that's why I've been tasked really like now, while we can't do our in-person trainings, we're going to be bringing it all online. And I've been doing this podcast and also the webinar that's every Saturday. Um, and people can find out about it on our email list or you go to info at marigaforlife.com. And it's, it's really been amazing because the reach that I have now of people all over the world who could not come to the course they now can connect in and we've actually changed like we were doing Saturday morning at 10. Now we're doing Saturday evening at seven. So other uh, zones, you know, time zones around the world can participate and join in. So it's been really an amazing thing um, to become more visible and more accessible to people using technology than we have in the past because we've really predominantly had the farm tours for local people and then the course where people have come from a lot of different places and now it's just gonna maybe continue to be a challenge but for this season it was really forcing us to to for me because I pretty much you know under the radar quiet doing my own thing here and then certain people find me and I work with those people but now I realize that we're in a situation that People need to have this information and I, I need to just get that information out there. So anyone listening, if you can see how you came to this podcast, what called you, it was a whisper, it was a recommendation, it was an accident, if that can be true. But you came and you are listening to this and they're connecting to some of what Aubrey has been doing and his experiences. It's really quite a, just a, such an inspiring work. Um, what I have 
reconnected to my students and heard their prog you know, the progress and the challenges and how they persevered through that. But connect and see in what way you might be connected to the worldwide Moringa movement to see how you can participate in what way your skills and life experience can contribute to what we're doing with Moringa all over the world. So Aubrey, I thank you for sharing this time. I know you've been on Stormwatch and you know you have a lot of challenges. I'm really grateful for the time that you took to spend with us today and, and let us know about your project and um, any other, any last words that you might have for our listeners? Yeah, thank you so much. You know, this, like you said, this type of information in these times, I think is so nice, right? For us to just be sharing uplifting and positive sort of ways that we can literally change our lives, right? Very simply start to just work our lives for the better. So thank you for the work that you do and what you've shared with me and, you know, anybody, anybody who wants to talk about these types of things. These are the things that I'd love to talk about. So yeah, um, anybody can get in touch with us. We have a website. You can Google Free Up Farm and I'm sure you'll, you'll come up with um, everything that's on there. There's some really sweet uh, drone footage of what the farm was from the day we stepped on it when it was covered in vines to sort of what it was maybe four or five months ago or something like that. So it's cool. And, you know, thanks for giving us this platform to sort of talk about it too, because um, any sort of awareness around uh, these sort of topics, I think is useful for the movement at large. Big thanks. And I miss you a lot. Thank you so much, Aubrey. And, and Lubitsa, I know she's uh, always behind the scene doing things or right in the forefront, side by side, digging ditches and planting things. It's, it's really remarkable to see the two of you uh, really successful at this really big life purpose that you have so thank you again for joining us thank you listeners for taking this time and please do reach out to aubrey uh, be in connection with marinaforlife.com and let us know in what way we can support you finding your role in this worldwide moringa movement thank you for listening to moringa for life we hope you have deepened your appreciation for this miracle tree. If you would like to learn more about your host and Moringa for Life, please visit our website at moringaforlife.com. Until next time, we wish you peace and joy. <laughs>